Today on Blue Bay Insights, we welcome back Chief Investment Strategist David Riley. David, since we last spoke, there's been a raft of economic data. What does it tell us about the outlook for the global economy? The big picture takeaway from recent economic data, uh, notably the PMIs, uh, but also some of the uh, labour market data that's been coming out of the US, is that the economy is out of recession and is on a recovery path. Um, Economic surprise indices are firmly in positive territory, um, actually approaching a record high for the Eurozone. Um, I, I do think as important as the data is for, you know, the sort of improving uh, outlook for uh, global growth is the recent decline in the number of new cases of the virus and, and a decline in hospitalization rates in the US. Uh, you know, the spike in the virus across uh, the US did hinder I think, the recovery, but it's increasingly looking like it was uh, a relatively mild pause, you know, through July. And the risk that it was going to, I think, sort of derail the uh, broader recovery um, is diminishing. Uh, I'm still of the view that a complete and full recovery uh, can't really happen until the virus is effectively uh, eliminated. And I think that can't really happen until there's is, there's a vaccine and, and we've seen that um, even with sort of recent localized outbreaks across Europe and, and even New Zealand. Um, markets are increasingly hopeful I think that a vaccine will be available by year end and rolled out through the first half and I think the incremental news flow on vaccine development has been positive but large-scale phase three trials have not you know, being completed. There's relatively little information on just how effective the first batch of vaccines will prove to be. And, you know, all all of the various um, vaccine research aren't necessarily sort of independent risks. Uh, You know, there is a danger that if there's um, a failure on one of those uh, uh, projects, it could actually, uh, you know, imply actually uh, a breakdown or failure amongst some of the others. Um, the other key source of uncertainty is fiscal policy. Um, you know, as we've previously discussed, Alex, I do think that fiscal policy and support is crucial for sustaining consumer spending, uh, rehiring and the broader economic recovery. Um, inf- investors you know, remain pretty confident that a new US fiscal package will be agreed, despite the current stalemate in Washington. Uh, President Trump's executive orders um, providing some additional extension uh, of uh, unemployment insurance uh, uh, benefit. Uh, I mean, I think it does provide some time to reach a deal before there's a uh, fiscal cliff that would be, I think, pretty meaningful and would impact particularly lower uh, income households who've been a big source of um, spending um, during this uh, sort of recovery post uh, lockdown. Now, you know, we've watched this film before of politicians in Washington going down to the wire with uh, deadlines being missed, but a deal eventually getting done. And I I still think that's going to be the case this time round. But I, you know, I do increasingly worry that it may take a push from markets to to make that happen. In the second quarter, the UK economy contracted more than any other major economy. What's the outlook for the UK? Yeah, it was a truly extraordinary and terrible number for the uh, second quarter, 20% contraction. Um, And as you say, Alex, you know, the most severe of any major developed economy with only Spain, I think, suffering a um, comparable uh, decline. Um, 
the, the, the UK's poor performance, I think, you know, relative to its peers, in part reflects, um, you know, relatively large service sector or parts of the service sector which were most affected by social distancing restrictions. But I also think you know, a lot of it is related to uh, what was a sort of longer or more prolonged exit from uh, the national lockdown and I think a greater degree of uh, caution more, more, more generally than in many other um, countries. Um, the size of the contraction in QT actually didn't come as a surprise though, it's pretty much in line with uh, a sort of consensus forecast and uh, you know UK assets you know responded accordingly they pretty much ignored um, that outturn and, and and the more recent high frequency data has been encouraging in terms of the recovery for the UK. Uh, UK GDP is estimated to have rebounded by more than eight percent in June. Uh, the PMI was a better than expected 57 for um, July and and in part because of the severity of the second quarter decline, I think we will get a double digit growth rebound in the third quarter. But, you know, if we look beyond that, you know, bounce from the uh, end of lockdown on that terrible uh, Q2 uh, uh, outcome, I think the UK outlook faces some pretty big hurdles. I mean, unemployment, I think, is you know, understated at the moment, and I think it's set to move pretty sharply higher and maybe get as close to uh, 10% as, uh, you know, the government's furlough scheme comes to an end. Um, recovery, of course, also depends on containing uh, local um, outbreaks. Uh, and, and, of course, the UK does face an additional source of uncertainty around its, uh, you know, post-Brexit trading relationship with the European Union. I still think there's a strong incentive on both sides for a free trade agreement that would avoid the imposition of quotas and tariffs on EU-UK trade, but, but a, a no-deal outcome cannot be discounted. Um, I do expect the Bank of England to cut interest rates to uh, 0% and to announce more quantitative easing. I think, frankly, much more important than what the Bank of England does, though, for sustaining the recovery is what is the amount of ongoing fiscal support that the government's going to provide and uh, you know, we'll, we'll obviously find out more about that as we uh, when we have the uh, autumn budget. US-China relations appear to be going from bad to worse. Why aren't the markets reacting? Yeah, I mean US-China political relations are arguably as bad as they've been since the normalisation of diplomatic relations in uh, 1979. I, I think the reason why markets have shrugged off the deteriorating relationship between, you know, the world's two largest economies is that, you know, these tit for tat, you know, political sanctions, uh, even the restrictions on Chinese technology in the US, are, are ultimately viewed as only sort of marginally economically uh, damaging, and so the focus is really on so long as this doesn't spill over into a, a, a renewed tariff war between the uh, US and China. And I was discussing this with our China strategist, uh, Jembo. I mean, he, you know, he remains confident that the forthcoming joint US-China review of the phase one trade deal will be positive. Um, and that uh, in the near term, at least, there's little prospect of a renewed US-China um, tariff war. I mean, as, as Jembo commented to me, you know, the phase one trade deal suits the interests of both countries and is actually the only thing they can agree on at the, at the moment. Uh, as we've discussed previously, Alex, I mean, longer term, I think there are some big implications from uh, the sort of intensification of the economic and political rivalry between the uh, US and China. But 
Yeah, I think that's really been discounted as noise before the US election, so long as the you know, phase one trade deal remains intact. You've just mentioned the US elections. Do you think that the market's now expecting a Biden victory? Well, certainly the polls and uh, betting markets are implying you know, a 60 plus percent chance that Joe Biden wins the presidency on November 3rd. Um, you know, we should remember that the polls and markets uh, were also you know, suggesting that Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016. And, and clearly a lot can happen between now and uh, polling day. If, if Biden does win, you know, then it's likely that there will be a Democrat clean sweep of Congress with Democrats retaining control of the House of Representatives and securing a majority in the Senate. And I, I, at the moment, I don't think the market is, you know, that focused and certainly not positioned, I think, for a Democrat clean sweep. Um, it would imply, you know, almost 180 degree sort of shift in tax and regulatory policies. And, and I think at least initially, um, it's something that uh, I think stock market investors in the US would probably uh, be uh, pretty wary of. On, on the other hand, I think Joe Biden and his vice presidential pick, uh, Kamala Harris, are you know, less instinctively protectionist than Donald Trump. I think less likely to restart a tariff war with China or impose tariffs on on, on some of their allies. Even, even though I think, you know, China as a strategic rival that must be contained is a view that is shared across the aisle in Washington. So I don't think investors have yet made sort of big adjustments to portfolios for, you know, what would be a, you know, regime change in Washington. And, and I think the policy uncertainty associated with the elections will be, you know, will be a headwind for the US dollar. Um, as the elections approach, the elections, you know, the, the polls might close, it could be a much closer outcome. And of course, you know, that outcome could be contested. So I, I, I do think the elections you know, are important. Um, I think they will be a source of market volatility and, and, and potentially of dollar weakness. Uh, but I, I, I don't think as of yet, the market's really sort of focused on that as, 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 a, as a key issue at the moment. Thanks for your time, David, and speak with you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except for suitant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials.
the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K 3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.